Okay. Um, does anyone know what this is? Any any of the children want to tell me what this is? It's a boot. Well, what's on it? Dirt and mud. That's both right. Now, let me ask you this. Um, well, let me tell you this first. This right here is really smelly. That I left this boot in my truck because I didn't want it, my wife to come home and ask me what's going on. So, keep that in mind. Now, imagine this. Um, imagine if I ask you, who wants to volunteer to clean this boot? Any of you be really excited to do that? No. No, okay. Now, imagine this with me. Okay, you walk up and you see one of the other kids, and they're smiling and they're whistling and they're singing a little tune as they're cleaning the boot. What, what would you think about that? They're, yeah, they're enjoying cleaning the boot. That would be kind of strange, wouldn't it? Now, you might ask them, well, what are you doing? And, and if they told you this, well, um, Andrew told me that he would pay me $100 to clean each of his boots. Would that make sense then, why they're smiling and, and they're singing as they clean the boots? You might say something different. Instead of that disgusted face I saw on some of your guys' faces, you might say, wow, I'd like to get to clean one of those boots. <laughs> now, all that is um, for a purpose, and, and the reason is this. Um, something changed. Um, before it was no one would want to clean the boot, and now it's who gets to clean the boot. And... Liking the boot, cleaning the boot hasn't changed. But something so valuable came into play that it made you happy to clean the shoes. Okay? Something you didn't want to do became something you really wanted to do. And this is what happens when you become a Christian. Um, things that you didn't used to want to do and you still in, in and of themselves you don't like become a joy. And so you might see some of the ladies on Sundays in the back washing dishes and smiling and you might be just as confused as you are about the boot because you know they don't like, I mean, no one likes washing dishes. Um, but the reason they're smiling is because um, they want to serve you and they want to be like Jesus Christ. And that's so good that it makes them happy to do it for you. And um, your parents... Maybe some of you have yelled at your parents and done other things that that they reacted to and they they just loved you. And they said, I'm happy to sit here with you even though, um, even though you know it's not pleasant for you to um, do some of the things you've done. And the reason isn't because they enjoy um, getting yelled at or anything like that. It's because they want to serve and love you like Jesus loved them. And so when you become a Christian, something so valuable comes along that your actions change and you're happy to do things you didn't want to do before. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 4, verse 13. And it says this, It says rejoice. 
in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may be re- that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings. So what I want to talk about tonight is really simple. It's one sentence. It's this. Look for ways to be like Christ and rejoice in them. This is uh, this can be active. You know, Jesus said, take up your cross. It's, an, it's just like the boot. No one loves to suffer. No one wants to take up their cross. Um, but he said, it's a command. We ought to do it. Why? Because we get to follow Jesus. That's the thing that makes it worth it. Um, that's active. In this, in this passage, it's passive. Um, he says something comes upon you, a fiery trial comes upon you, and you ought to rejoice. It's a command. Um, so actively, we're looking for ways to be like Christ, to take up our cross. And passively, when things come upon us, we're looking for ways to be like Christ. And in both cases, we're rejoicing. So it's a command, and the command is somewhat strange. Um, have your parents ever said to you, you're going to eat this food and you're going to like it? Um, it's kind of like that. Um, a paraphrase might be, suffer and be happy about it. But it's the second part that makes sense of it all. It says, in as much as you get to be like Christ. So, this truth um, helped me to understand some passages in the Bible and actions of people in history that uh, perplexed me. And the first one is Acts 5. Um, in Acts 5, verse 40, some of the apostles had been out sharing the gospel and the religious leaders of the day didn't like that. And so they they called them in and said, don't do that anymore. And verse 40 says this, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. So what happens is um, they're beaten and it's not um, light. They were probably walked out with blood on their backs and it was very serious and what they did was they rejoiced they said wow I got to be beaten today and that in and of itself doesn't make any sense unless you read the second part they rejoiced why not just that they were beaten but that in being beaten they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ they got to be like Jesus Um, Christ came into the world and he suffered for others um, he suffered for those that didn't that didn't love him, and and he was beaten, and they were happy because they got to be like him, and it made that beating less than nothing to them. Um, that that it was something they could take joy in. Another passage, Philippians one seven.
says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Now this is the part. For you all are partakers of, of me, partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He says, you're partakers of me, with me of this gift, both in my imprisonment and my defense and confirmation of the gospel. Um, he says it's a gift or it's a gracious thing that he was imprisoned. Why? Because um, it wasn't just about the imprisonment. It was about the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He got to love those people. He was in love going out and serving others like Jesus. And that's why he, he, he called it a gift. That's why he said it was a gracious thing. And, you know, just go a few more verses down. In 129 he says, It has been granted or gifted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. So he says what? Suffering for Christ is a gift. Very different. Um, almost incomprehensible um, to me before God showed me. Um, God showed me that it's not the suffering that they enjoy, it's that Jesus Christ and being like Him is so great that the suffering um, becomes small and they actually are happy. Um, if it means to be like Jesus that you have to suffer, um, they're happy to do it. And Paul says this again in Philippians. I'll just read this to you. It says, he's talking about how he gave everything up in his life that he may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul says he, he'll give up anything just so he could be like Jesus. In what way? Sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He, wanted to, he looked at the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, dying for sinners who didn't love him, and he said, that means so much to me, I want to be like that, even if it costs me everything. The last thing I want to tell you is a story, um, another thing that apart from this truth, you know, apart from you seeing how good Jesus is, how wonderful it is to be like Him, this doesn't really mean much, but when you see that, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, this is a story from the life of Hudson Taylor. So they were traveling with a group of men and Following the old country custom, they placed their shoes outside the bedroom doors at night for attention. Eight pairs of muddy shoes. Mr. Taylor, made wise to the situation, had some real enjoyment as a result. For after that, whenever he and Mr. Ratcliffe, who remained unenlightened, so he didn't know that whenever he put his boots out at night that there wasn't someone whose job it was to clean them. Um, were left, when they were left alone, he would watch for his friend's nightly act and would quietly slip out of his room, pick up the shoes, polish them to perfection, and put them back ready for the morning. To his satisfaction, Mr. Ratcliffe never identified him with the com competent black boot. boot black. So what happened was someone was putting their shoes out, and Hudson Taylor, it says 
had great enjoyment and every night after the other guy went to bed, he would get up and he would take the shoes and he would clean them. Why did he enjoy it? He did. He enjoyed doing it for someone else. He enjoyed doing it for someone else because um, he wanted to be a servant like Jesus Christ. And so I might ask you this, kids. Back to the shoes, you know. You would be happy to clean the shoe for $100, most of you. Um, Would you be happy to clean the shoe if it meant you got to be like Jesus? Because when you're a Christian, something happens. God gives you a new heart, and He loved Christ most. And if it sounds more appealing to you to clean the shoes for $100 than to, be, than to clean the shoes because you get to be like Christ, it shows where your heart is. And it shows that you love something more than God. Um, the Bible says we can't serve two masters that we're going to hate one and love the other. And for every true Christian, what they want more than anything is to know and honor Jesus Christ. That for every true Christian, when say if someone said, I want you to clean this shoe and I'll give you $100, and someone said, um, here's this shoe and um, you're not going to get anything for it and no one's going to know about it, but you get to be like Jesus. One of them brings tears to their eyes, and the other one, they don't. It's not as big a deal to them because they love Jesus. And so, practically, um, I would say this we ought to look for ways to be like Christ and rejoice in them. I mean, we can see the people in the Bible um, who loved God, they did it. People in history, they loved Christ so much that they looked for ways to be like Christ like Christ, even if it cost them something, and they rejoiced. You know, the Bible says this, If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. If we die with Him, we shall also live with Him. You know, suffering is a part of the Christian life. Um, We're called to follow Christ. We're called to take up our cross. We're called to rejoice in suffering. Peter says, don't be surprised if you suffer. And you know what? In every situation, we can ask, how can I be like Christ? Every situation. Every time um, you go to your job or you're at church, you can ask, how can I be like Christ here? And every time you love someone and you give something, do something for them, um, it's going to cost you something. Um, Just like it costs Jesus. Um, It's going to cost you time or effort maybe pain, overlooking their faults. But it's a gift. Um, It's a gift that we should rejoice in. This next truth really helped me to see um, that it is a gift and to to not know I should delight in it, but to actually delight in it. And it's this. We're not going to get to take up our cross in heaven. We can imitate the joy of Christ in heaven, the sinlessness of Christ, the peace of Christ, the obedience of Christ, but no longer will be, we be able to imitate the cross of Christ. You're never going to get to suffer for someone again. You know, if the cross is the greatest act of history, then the greatest act of imitation, you know, is going to be to imitate the cross. And now's the time. 
We're granted to suffer. It's a gift. However good the cross is in your eyes, and that's how wonderful an opportunity it is that, that we get to suffer for others because we love them. We're, we're called to rejoice in our sufferings because they're precious. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. When we get to heaven, we're going to look back at all these opportunities and say, wow, you know, for every time I got to suffer and love someone like Jesus, I'm going to spend a thousand years in heaven. I mean, thinking about that one thing. I mean, it's we have an eternity in heaven and we have 80 or less years here to love others the way Christ did. You know, in heaven you're never going to be able to show mercy again because no one is ever going to wrong you again. Never. You're never going to have the opportunity to be wronged and to act like Jesus did and, and, and love and forgive that person. Ephesians says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Well, we're not going to be able to fulfill that in heaven. We can only do it now. And that means it's precious. And so if someone wrongs you at work, it's a gift. I mean, it's an opportunity to be like Jesus Christ that we're not going to get for very long. Christ loved those who hated hated him. He was dying on the cross. They were taunting him and he was praying, Father, forgive him. Well, we're not going to have very long to do that. You know, one of the brothers here, we were out and we were talking to some people and a lady was just right up in this brother's face yelling. And the brother said this, you hate me, but I love you. And um, you realize how much like Jesus that is? You realize that's what we're going to be talking about in heaven. That grace, loving someone who doesn't love you back, giving someone what they don't deserve, that's for now. And one day we won't have the opportunity anymore. And you know, I don't know about you, but when I think about Jesus... All these things are the most precious things. His grace, His forgiveness, His mercy, that He loved me when I didn't love Him. That's the, that's the best things. And um, I want to imitate those now while I have the chance. So we ought to look for ways to be like Christ and to rejoice in them. You know, this has something to do with our thinking. I'm not sure I understand all of it, but I do know this, that First Peter 4, one says, Arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, there's something about our thinking. I don't, I don't know that I can explain it all, but I do know this. It's some, some, this has to do with the mind, and Paul says it too. He says, have this mind in yourselves that, that's yours in Christ Jesus, who you know, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself. There's something about looking at Jesus and what he did on the cross and thinking about it that changes something. It's something in the mind. And um, I can say this, you know, I wanted to share this because I think that this way of thinking has changed my actions and my attitude daily more than anything else. You know, an example is this. Um, 
you know, you get home from work, this is a real example, and I lie on the couch and my wife's in the kitchen, and you hear, honey, and you know the way she says it means I need help. I need help in the kitchen. And, um, you know, if I'm thinking about myself, I'm thinking about how comfortable the couch is and how I don't really like chopping, you know, vegetables. But when I think about Jesus and that he came down from heaven to down across for me, it changes my attitude, you know. Yeah. I want to go in there. And, and it's not a chore. It's not something I have to do or begrudgingly do. It's something I get to do because, um, because of what he did for me. And it started out slow, you know. At first I had to talk myself into it, you know. My wife would say, honey, and I would say to myself, okay, you know, I would feel that feeling of, I don't want to do this. And I would say, but no, remember, this is an opportunity to be like Christ. And sometimes the joy wouldn't come until the doing. But over time, God has, you know, helped me, and he's given me joy right in the beginning. And um, it's gotten a lot easier, and I don't have to talk myself through it anymore. Um, I just say, yeah, I'd love to help. And that's because something about us always having our eyes on us isn't right. right. That when, when something happens, if, we're all our, if all our eyes are on us, we're, we're not going to love people that don't love us. We're not going to serve people where it's inconvenient. But when our eyes are on the Christ and on the cross, something changes. And it's not about what I want anymore. So all this is to say this. Let's do this now. I mean, we're, we don't have long. I mean, some of us might have even less time than we think. And let's rejoice to give up comfort of lying on the couch to serve our wives. Let's rejoice, you know, when, when someone rejects you, you share the gospel with them and they reject you, that's a gift that you get to love them even though they don't love you. They don't want anything to do with what you're telling them. That you're not going to get for long. There's not going to be any sinners in heaven that you get to love. There's only going to be perfected saints. That whenever you're here and and there's um, a brother and you get to serve that brother, you get to love a sinner. You know, There's no one perfect in the church. Um, and we get an opportunity to love them anyways. We get an opportunity to serve even though it costs us something. You know, I think it's important to do this now because, you know, I, I really don't think if we can't get up off the couch um, with joy, then we, we won't be able to be beaten with joy. It makes me think of Darlene Rose, you know. She, you know, first she rejoiced that she was giving up all the comforts of America to go live in a hut with full of rats. And um, then she rejoiced at pulling off the dead skin off her husband's rotting feet because he, he got jungle rot carrying the gospel. Um, and she said, wow, these are the feet. They're beautiful feet because they took the gospel to these people. And she rejoiced. And I don't think... Um, it's a coincidence that rejoicing in these things, and, and in her book, it doesn't sound like it was an easy thing. It sounds like God's teaching her along the way. And then in the end, she's able to rejoice, you know, that she's starved, she's 60 pounds, um, she's about to die, and she says, you know, if that one guy got saved, it was all worth it. 
And I think it's connected, you know. I think that she can say that because she was rejoicing in the little things along the way. And um, so I, I want us to look. Look for opportunities to be like Christ and rejoice in them. I mean, little things throughout the day. Um, I mean, just imagine, you, you park um, in the farthest spot uh, at, at your work, and um, so you can let the other people get the better spots and walk a little bit closer. I tried to do this, and uh, every day I don't want to do it. You know, it's something so small that you have to die to yourself. But, you know, many of the days I walk out my job and I think, well, at least I did that, you know. At least I did that one thing for Christ. And uh, I really believe that in heaven someday, probably that will be the best thing I did because some, some days I just fail, you know, at work. And I'm thankful for that, that small thing. And um, so I just might end by saying this, let's look for ways to be like Christ and let's rejoice. You know, when's the last time you thank God for somebody wronging you? I mean, that's what Mason's talking about, thankfulness. I mean, we can be thankful for every difficult situation because in every situation that's difficult, that we have to suffer, we get to be like Christ. You know, even if it's just in obedience. You know, there's some suffering that know that maybe the way we can be like Christ is just obeying Him and just maybe... Maybe there's suffering where you're sick, and it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else, but you can, you can uh, identify with the suffering of Christ by saying, Your will be done, not mine. And um, when somebody wrongs us at work, we can say, Thank you, Lord, that I get, I get, to, I get to show this person grace. You know, um, the worse it gets, the better opportunity it is to be like Jesus. The worse someone is to you, the more opportunity you have to show grace and mercy. You get all the time. You have an opportunity to love someone imperfect like Christ loved you. Christ loved you when you were imperfect. And uh, you have the opportunity to love imperfect people all around you. But not for long. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do want to be like you and we fall far short of what we ought to be, but would you help us to honor you more in our lives? Lord, would you help our attitudes and our actions? We want to be like you and we want to have the right attitude in it. Lord, we again just commit this word to you and say, it doesn't mean anything if you don't teach it to us. Would you make it real? Amen.